0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us in the interview segment of the Common Sense Show. As you know, we are the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. And uh, this is Dave Hodges. I'm your host, your embattled host. Boy, there's... I tell you, I come out on one side... Of, yeah, we should lock down and go along with what the government says and now I'm starting to see the ridiculousness of it And especially we compare Brazil and Sweden and they're open for business and their death rates are exactly the same as ours And now I flip to the other side and oh incoming from everywhere. Hey be gentle, okay? I'm just trying to help anyway We really appreciate all of you being here tongue-in-cheek comment aside and we have some people that keep the lights on here for us and we want to tell you who they are before we get started And let me just say this right off the top Uh, I am of a firm belief that cash is trash and it's gonna crash and you have to have some operating cash in your accounts but if you're loading everything in there that you make you're gonna regret the day that you didn't make a move you need to diversify I use Noble Gold I mean I went to them personally and I've been advertising for them for three years and I said hey guys help me out here what do I need to do and they found some really big deficits in my work and they said Dave this is what we recommend and now I'm all fixed and I'm really happy about it these guys are tremendous and you can get a hold of them at 877-646-5347 646 5347 tell them I said hello and tell them I said to call they'll give you the royal treatment also too we have delays in our food shipments But if you think this uh, crisis is going to be over by May, well, okay, that's fine, take that chance. But if you're someone that says, I don't even have six months of food, and the experts are recommending two years plus seeds, well, if you want to work towards the ideal, okay, then you need to use MPS. MPS is the best there is. Why? Because they didn't sell out to the government when they could have. They could have sold everything lock, stock, and barrel. They had a sale on in January we were running for the four-week and two-week supplies. And that sale is still on today. Talk about integrity. They're the best. And restaurant-quality food, it's the best. This is a great company to work with. I've walked away from other food companies as their representative before because I had issues with them. This company, I have no integrity issues whatsoever. So how do you get a hold of them? Go to preparewithdave.com. They'll have a full disclosure on there because it's varying from day to day about when you'll get your food from when you order it. So go to preparewithdave.com. And if you have food, you need water. And this is something you can get right away. In the fifth day of a crisis, the Naval War College says the biggest cause of death is what? Waterborne illnesses. And you probably won't have trouble finding water, standing water, pool water, pond water, whatever it would be. But you don't dare drink it. Unless you put it through the Aquapure Pro water filter, it's the best in the business. If you go to waterwithdave.com, you're going to see not testimonials, but research that shows you why this is the best in the industry. Now, listen to this it's the best, and they're offering their product at 40% off. That's built into the price you'll see on the screen when you go to waterwithdave.com. And I tell you, this will save lives. I'm absolutely convinced of it. We're going to really push this hard if President Trump keeps us locked down for much longer because we're going to have food shortages, we're going to have food riots, the fed the people in DHS tell me they're already preparing for this well water is going to come too because at some point people are going to walk off their jobs at the water treatment plants and then you're on your own that's why you want to do this this isn't a scare tactic this is a called get ready tactic waterwithdave.com okay those are the three groups that keep us on the air right here for this broadcast now we've got a special broadcast for you we've got someone who I know who's an attorney Dan Dufresne and Dan uh, knows the Constitution as attorneys do and I've reached out to him because I said I think there's some things going on here that are highly unconstitutional with regard to the lockdown of our country in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis and there's no end in sight and I'm on the record already saying We need to go to the restrictions that Brazil is putting on their people. That makes the most sense. I'm not going to go into details now, but we need a change because we are sacrificing our liberty uh, for security. And you know what Ben Franklin said about that? And also, too, folks, we're putting our economy into a position where it may never recover. We've got to make some moves. And I think the best way for us to get our way is to attack this issue through constitutional issues. So, Dan, welcome to the show. I'm really glad you could join us. I know your practice is in California, but you represent people all over the country, don't you?
1: Yeah, that's right, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my you know, my, my specialty is, is mostly EEOC investigations and federal employment law, but as you mentioned, uh, you know, I have a, some background with constitutional law and like you, I you know, I, I remember when our constitution, you know, used to allow for the freedom of association, assemble and worship
0: yeah well i haven't been to church for a few weeks and here we're coming up on easter and that's i have a major problem with that
1: yeah it's it it, i i really do think it is a problem dave you know one of the things that's interesting is that if there is you know the the court has ruled that if there is a a so-called you know civil emergency that there there is a right to issue a stay-at-home order but the interesting thing is that 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 usually is a federal issue, and here we're dealing with state issues where it's a state by state governor saying stay at home, or they are using law enforcement. Dave, I'm sure you've heard about the infamous case in Malibu where a paddleboarder was you know chased oh. down by three policemen. <laughs> I put it, I put it, it on my website. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's out of the middle of nowhere and, and he's issued a ticket. So the question is, I think it's kind of twofold, you know, the the right to assemble and, and again, worship. And the, I think the question is whether or not this, you know, pandemic, so-called pandemic, is enough of a compelling government reason. That's kind of the standard, you know, that if it's a strict scrutiny test and, and the government has a right, if it's a so-called pandemic or an emergency, but... I'm just not sure the numbers at this point, you know, show that Dave.
0: Well, and there's evidence that the numbers are being fudged. I'm hearing from doctors and nurses from around the country and they're being told, and I'm going to sum it up this way, this isn't necessarily a verbatim quote given to one person, but it kind of a summary of what I'm being told. And what they're being told is if it's not a gunshot or a car accident, they died of COVID.
1: I've heard the same thing, even to the extent that they've changed the insurance coding. Exactly. You know, to, to Yeah. To specifically have it for that, you know, so that that raises the constitutional issue. Is this enough to justify really, a, you know, the first time in my lifetime, a, a radical, a radical motion that the governor of a state can order people to stay home? You know, for me. One of the most interesting things. I'm I'm Orthodox Catholic, and and I just uh, I just don't. The churches have just folded to the state, which to me, it, you know, from a constitutional standpoint, is it, pretty scary. Especially with Easter coming up, and it, it's as if uh, we've kind of really this panic has caused us. Like you said with Ben Franklin, you know, we we've tucked away our our I think our common sense. You know, it's a perfect need for your show at this point in time because. We, you know the Constitution, a lot of it is based on common sense and a freedom to associate and a freedom to assemble and at this point in time i I am worried dave that that you know that that, that it's been one step too far because i I think about if this raises, you know, if this is a level of a pandemic and it could be, I mean, you know, I I think the jury's still out on that, but what if something uh, really traumatic happens? You know, are we just now programmed as a society just to run inside and stay home because our governor tells us,
0: well, that's right. It gives them unyielding authority to come out and limit any activity they see fit and there's no consistency. In California, I believe they were going to close the gun stores. I know in L.A. County they reversed that, and I know the inside story behind that. But um, but in other parts of the country, they can't open gun stores, and in some parts of the country they can. Well, that's a Second Amendment issue. And if you're worried about resource raiding from neighbors that aren't prepared, you're denying people the right to protect themselves. That's
1: one issue That's right. I have. So, yeah, that, that, that's a big one, yeah. And it, it goes back to the... The uh, overarching concept of our Constitution, which is federalism, right? You know, the Tenth Amendment is there for a reason, and it's it's uh, right now it's in jeopardy. Not only the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, and at this point in time, I I was really shocked also by the fact that our governor in California, and I know New York, he he just issued a you know Governor Newsom issued an executive order saying that people won't have to pay rent until July 31st so i'm sitting there thinking well what is the you know what is his so-called constitutional authority to render a contract invalid um it's just the number of issues that they're are constitutional contractual and then also we've talked about this too dave with our criminal justice system you know the the courts you can imagine they're, they're all shut you know, shut down for this pandemic and what's happening is that essential hearings such as bail hearings are trying to be processed, you know, telephonically, but the problem with that is a lot of defense counsel they don't have a they don't have an opportunity to talk with their client in private. So that takes away the attorney client privilege, which is very important. And then also, you know, so called non essential hearings like trials and plea deals. Uh, there's been cases where, you know, an individual has a plea deal set up the day before this coronavirus happened. That takes months to arrange. Boom, he's got to sit in jail now indefinitely until he can arrange for another hearing date. So, you know, there's a lot of moving, moving parts here from civil to constitutional to, as you said, Second Amendment rights.
0: Isn't that uh, sitting there indefinitely for bail hearings, isn't that uh, cruel and unusual punishment?
1: You know, that's actually been asserted. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's, that's something that's often asserted is, as, you know, cruel and unusual punishment. And, and right now, some of the bail hearings, what they're arguing is that, Hey, this is an elderly client who maybe had a money laundering, you know, uh, and let's remember it's just a, an arrest, right? I mean, we have a presumption of innocence in this country, but you know, notwithstanding that, that, at bail hearings, the defense attorneys are actually arguing, hey, I don't want this elderly client to go back into the jail holding cell because guess what? There's coronavirus. <laughs> so it's it, it's kind of like everything's been turned upside down, right? And he's making an argument that, hey, my client should not have to go back into jail because right now, you know, somebody just tested positive. And. If you've ever been in a you know a jail or prison or any kind of a facility like that, I mean it it is going to spread like wildfire
0: it already they, has. Yeah, they, yeah exactly they're going to keep the jails open. they may as well keep the restaurants open I mean you, you got, <laughs> or the gym's open, you got the same level of exposure and sometimes even closer contact, but but with regard to um th- this whole issue, it doesn't make sense to me that the government's real in california is the worst at this they're releasing some really dangerous people i mean i've got reports on pedophiles and so forth so they're releasing these people so someone who's arrested that hasn't even been convicted unlike the people they're releasing they're holding indefinitely how does that make any sense how is it even legal Yeah,
1: you know, that's right dave because a lot of times i think there's a misconception that Unfortunately, with our bail system, if, if uh, you know, someone who's accused of a crime cannot afford bail, well, guess what? They just stay in jail and that that they stay there until their hearing date. And oftentimes, even if it's a, you know, a misdemeanor or a DUI or something along those lines, marijuana use, whatever it might be, that they, they are stuck in jail until that hearing date. And what you what you're referring to is that somebody who was arrested during the you know the, the coronavirus pandemic, what they're doing right now is that they have a right to a bail hearing, and the, some of these judges are literally doing it um, you know a hundred at a time, just saying if it's a you know if it's a misdemeanor. We're not even going to have a bail hearing. We're just going to let them all out on their own recognizance. And and, and as you said, the poor uh, the poor other individual who's sitting right now in jail whose plea deal was delayed because it's, quote, non-essential. <laughs> and I've gotten call after call from desperate mothers, desperate fathers, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, saying... You know, my, my, my boyfriend was so close to getting his life back together. He was arranged to go to a halfway house, get a plea deal. What do I do? And my answer to them, Dave, is there's nothing you can do. Attorneys have filed motions. They've tried everything, but non-essential hearings in most courthouses are not being heard right now, which is a delaying trial. Juries as well.
0: I, I can see the day when this crisis abates. When there are hearings and lawsuits up the yin yang, but I think the government's probably going to handle it like they did Agent Orange: hear no evil, see no evil, and just dismiss it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> no pun intended, but the, the jury is still out on that because I, I, do, I do think there will be some, some you know, litigation related to, like you said, cruel and unusual punishment and it kind of is, you know, it's, this is kind of indicative of an example of how broken our, our, our bail system and and really our criminal justice system is because you hit the nail right on the head that, you know, somebody's accused, he's sitting there for nine months waiting for his, you know, his plea deal to come through. And then he's got to wait another, you know, potentially nine months because of the so-called pandemic. Um, it's just, and again, I, I'm I'm in the position where I get a phone call and I just have to tell the client I, I really wish there's some motion. I really wish I could go down and, you know, pound on the desk and 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 order a hearing, but it is not happening. And there is no you know avenue right now because he can't afford bail. He has to stay in jail. I mean, it's just it really is mind-boggling, Dave, when you think about how at this point in time, again. I understand this is serious, and, and my goodness, with the ventilators and everything else, but we have to be very careful to protect our constitutional rights, you know, no, especially I totally, to a speedy jury trial.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Dan Dufresne. He's an attorney in California, but he represents clients all over the country, and he'd like to make his services available to you. And Let me tell you why this is a good time to write down this number. It's a good time to write down Dan's number, and I'll give it to you here: eight five eight seven four zero eight one eight one. Stay tuned; I'll give it to you again. But the reason why is because as we deal with employment issues, you know, in this topsy turvy economy that's going to make no sense, we're bro- we're broker than anything could ever be, and people are going to go back to work, and the bosses are going to forget about things like Title Nine and age discrimination and ada regulations they're going to forget about all that stuff and they're going to trample on workers rights you're lucky to have a job and i'm predicting right now we're going to see a return in part to treatment of employees like the sweatshop days in the early days of immigration in the 1880s we're going to have that kind of mindset from bosses so you're going to want to write down dan's number because if if you're someone who's being treated unfairly you're gonna want to deal with this at some point and he can get you before the EEOC and they do all your work yeah or he could get you before the office of civil rights and they do all your work and you don't get locked up into litigation it could cost you a hundred thousand you can save a lot of money so Dan's number take a note of this 858 740 8181 and on these kind of claims he can represent you no matter where you're at in the country that's 858 seven four zero eight one eight one well Dan I- I'm really glad that you're joining us here because these are really critical issues I want to go to another issue now um, that we are seeing roadblocks uh, with a presumption of guilt being set up on highways between states do you know about that
1: yes I do that was actually brought up at today's press conference it was a specific issue because the governor of Texas has roadblocks in place to stop citizens from louisiana from entering texas uh we are in uncharted waters here dave i i I wish i could say off the top of my head whether or not that you know there's something that, that that constitutionally allows that that restriction in you know let's remember this is a state by state issue so we've got one governor stopping anyone with louisiana plates this is happening today Anyone with Louisiana plates, the governor of Texas has said it's within your authority, officers, with no reasonable suspicion of any crime, no probable cause, you can stop based on just the license plate of Louisiana. Now, you get into issues where if you make that initial stop, and God forbid there's drugs in the car, there's another issue, that initial stop never should have happened because there's no reasonable suspicion. So it's not just in Texas; it's in other states as well. I, I understand that Georgia is also, you know, thinking about doing this, where they're just going to stop that freedom of travel, which is clearly allowed in our constitution for 100, you know, 200 years. It's been there, the right to travel. So it's uh, uncharted waters, and I think there's going to be litigation on that as well. You know, it's, and I think citizens are really. Hopefully, getting concerned about this, where you're you're trying to cross a state border and you run into, you know, an officer who's locked and loaded and is truly the roadblock, like you said, Dave. I mean, they they are not letting, you know, people from Louisiana
0: travel to Texas. Well, it's not just there; they have them. Yeah. They, they have them in uh, Rhode Island and Vermont, and in some cases, it's the National Guard pulling people over for having a New York license plate and uh, to me that's uh, guilt uh, before innocence that's a presumption of guilt that's not valid
1: well there is no i mean that when you when you stop somebody you have to have what's called reasonable suspicion to stop them and you know the officer has to have that by by observing the car and and if he has some reasonable suspicion that criminal activity is afoot or you know, something is happening within the vehicle or obviously a DUI. Yes, he has authority based on his observations to pull that car over, but the court has ruled over and over that the, you know, the, the officer has to observe the reasonable suspicion to make the stop, not even the arrest, just the initial stop. To your point, Dave, uh, having a license plate does not make it reasonable suspicion to stop somebody and take their temperature. Um, yeah,
0: exactly. you know,
1: it's, I, I don't know how I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been more pushback by the, you know, the, the federal, uh, criminal defense bar. I, I don't know why they're silent on this or even, you know, the ACLU, um, you know, they're usually pretty aggressive about litigation in this case. They're just, it's, it's just crickets. I, I, I'm very surprised at that. I would think they would file an immediate motion. You know or an injunction in in texas to at least find out whether or not this is you know constitutional to stop this you know really this unlawful harassment in my opinion
0: well i i think it's a matter of timing And, and and maybe i'm wrong but this is how i perceive it i'm thinking that right now the public was so on board on shelter in place overwhelmingly, with some exceptions and and with minor violations, but the public basically agrees with this, even though it's causing catastrophic harm to our economy. And I think that groups like the ACLU are afraid of becoming very unpopular, anti-American. They don't care about safety. All they care about is lawsuits and attention. And I think that's the mindset they might be working from. But I will tell you this, if my... Uh, comments that I get from my listeners and, and, and my viewers on my website are any indication people are now the pendulum swinging back in the other direction people have had enough they're seeing Brazil and Sweden with very few restrictions and their death curve is the same as ours and they're seeing this stuff and they're also finding out about Fosse this guy is a piece of work He works for the CDC, he wrote love letters to Hillary, literally love letters that Glenn Beck exposed uh, in the election of 2016. He's a never-Trumper, they all had their crying parties when he got elected in the CDC, and he has a business relationship along with Dr. Birx with Bill Gates, which is a conflict of interest. And people are finding this out now, and I gotta tell you, the pendulum's coming back, Dan. I think you're going to see the beginning of these lawsuits right now i think that people are saying enough is enough
1: yeah and i i think to your point one of the main things that is going to drive those lawsuits is being stopped by the national guard i mean <laughs> like i said we're in uncharted waters here where um just because of your license plate you're stopped i mean yeah this is a a very serious issue, and I think that, to your point, the panic has set in so much that yes, people are, okay, let's shelter in place, I heard somebody died in New York you know, right away on the subway, I don't want that to happen to me, so let's shelter in place, we'll accept that. But then, like you said, I think the American spirit, which is still alive, you know, especially in Texas and Louisiana, those parts of the country eventually i absolutely agree that the pendulum is going to swing and i i hope dave that the pendulum swings by civil litigation and not not through you know violence or you know unrest um that's that's one reason why it's so important to follow constitutional issues is because that's kind of a safeguard to civil unrest you know if if you take it through the courts you know, that's that's the that's the avenue to do it. That's the avenue we've always, always used. And I, I just hope that that's, you know, the, the steps that, that, that Americans take as opposed to some kind of internal unrest.
0: Well, yeah, the, the unrest could be triggered by other things too, like not having food in your pantry. That could be a pretty powerful motive to get out into the streets and start looking. Um, there's a case I wanted to tell you about, and I'm gonna describe a 20 minute video that I watched it was a man in a hospital bed and he fit the stereotype all tatted up you know of course he's a rebel that's how it looks okay because of his appearance but actually if you take out his uh, colorful language he actually articulated some things really well and I ended up siding with him he's in a hospital room and he's got the mask on and and uh, he's uh, a man I wouldn't want to take on if I was a policeman and these policemen are in their gowns in his room and initially they're oh eight ten feet away from him and they're saying you're going to take this corona test and they were you know i think it's probably the pin prick would be my guess although i didn't see that part but it involved an injection because that was real clear in their conversation and he says oh no no that's not the way it works here uh you're not doing this to me blankety blankers and uh, he says i want a lawyer And I thought, uh uh-oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Because then a couple minutes later, he said, am I under arrest? And they said, no, you're not under arrest, but we're doing this test. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. They just say he's not under arrest. They refused his right to an attorney. They overpower him to do what they're going to do after he asked them if he's under arrest. And they said, no, Dan, break that down for us legally.
1: Yeah, Dave, I actually saw that exact video. And the first part of it is that you know, the the officials in the hospital, whether they were nurses or doctors, they have no state action or no authority to arrest him or to take any kind of action against him, you know, by touching him or doing anything along those lines. So when I saw that video, I I thought to myself, absolutely, this this gentleman is well-versed in the law. He knows his rights. But even by saying that, Dave, you saw it as well, they pretty much attacked him. Um, that is, if I were in his position, that that warrants filing a police report for assault. Uh, I, I just, I, they they had absolutely no right to treat that man as they did, and and then, then you get into the civil side of the house, right, where. There's a, a litany, a legion of, of potential civil actions as well, but um, I, I, I did see that exact video and I encourage your, re- your viewers, if it's up on your website to take a look because this is just based on what I saw. There was no law enforcement there. It was just no, high no, it was, officials. There were,
0: there were cops there. Some of those cops Oh, there were, were in okay, gowns. I You could barely see their insignias that were sticking up above the, ga- the gowns they had on. And, okay and, and i went back and i and you know i can see how anyone could miss that because i didn't see it on first glance either and i thought well who the heck are these guys and so i went back dan and i and i and i um and i freeze-framed it and i blew it up a little bit and i said these are pretty clearly police
1: wow you like, know what Dan? Then... that makes it that that actually makes it more disconcerting because
0: well, yeah because he asked yeah, him am i under that, arrest
1: yeah he said no, yeah i'm not under arrest he was not in that 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 is you know code for you're free to leave a lot of people don't understand that unless you're being detained for your safety or the officer's safety if you're not under arrest you are free to leave that's why he asked that um i'm i'm shocked that the police were there and that they you know didn't take action to stop this from happening because if he wasn't under arrest he committed no crime he committed no crime (laughs) So this you was had, just a, yeah. a, a truly a bum brush To I saw that, I and I was just shocked that uh, I know. that happened. I mean, and as you said, he was a pretty, pretty big dude, pretty well built. But it still it took about six of them, I think, to you know hold him down. And I, I don't know if it was like you said a test that was administered or whatever it was, but it was certainly against his will. And for the officers to be there and to allow that, I. I <laughs> I, that's amazing.
0: Well, I'm not a lawyer, but I remember something like um, I had a relative that went against medical advice one time. They called it AMA, against medical advice. They discharge you and then refuse to treat you. To me, I think the hospital could have done that, but I don't see how they can impose treatment. They had Remember they had the nurse there and she was saying, you're going to do this. And then the guys who were the cops, <laughs> they, were, yeah, they, were, they were the I cops. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then they, no, you're not under arrest. Well, then, if you're not under arrest, you're, you're good to go, aren't you?
1: Absolutely. And 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 unless there's something we're missing that the, that the video doesn't show that maybe something else was afoot, like he was being detained for his own safety. But even in that case, um, it's very limited what the police can do. They can usually just pat you down, and you know they can't go any further than that unless you give consent. So to your point. Yeah, there's a, a concept called, you know, informed consent, where the patient has to know what's going on. We all sign this when we go to an emergency room. We don't even look at it. You know, it's very common. And we just sign off and say, OK, I give implied consent. If something happens, the doctor can help me. In this case, obviously, he didn't give that implied consent. And I, I just think it was clearly a civil or a criminal assault. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I did. I did hear the the, the, the nurse kind of going after him, and almost gleefully willing to. You know, I mean, it was it was disturbing. I, I I thought for a second Dave, it wasn't real, but I mean, it certainly is, right? It's 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 real, and that makes it all the more disturbing.
0: Well, I had somebody write to me, and so I have to ask you about this. But I think I know the answer. When you are arrested in some states. They have the right to draw blood on you if they want to, but you sign that right away when you get a driver's license. Am I right on that?
1: Oh, that's really state by state, Dave. You can whether or not you know you can have blood drawn, or if you don't want it drawn. Yeah, that's that's really state by state. That comes into play with with DUIs. If somebody you know says, "Hey, I don't want to have my blood drawn. I you know I want to go to the police station and do a breathalyzer." It depends on whether or not they have to actually get a warrant or if you if you waive that right when you get your driver's license so yeah there are some states where you have to actually get a warrant to do that in other states um you know you you waive it with your driver's license but in this case um he was not there from my understanding he was not there you know based on an arrest he wasn't there for a dui test or possibly marijuana intoxication and he was driving from my understanding is that this gentleman was there just to kind of get himself checked out for coronavirus and it went south on him really quick.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I put out an all call here and I haven't heard anything and I was hoping I would because I published on my website, uh, the, the I think it was on Twitter if I remember right. And I published that and I said, I would like to know who this individual is and if he'd like to come on my show, we'll do a GoFundMe so he can raise the funds to sue everyone that was in that room, including the agencies they represent and uh, i know a good lawyer for, i know a good lawyer for that dave <laughs> yeah but i haven't i haven't heard anything back again i'm actually tomorrow i'm actually planning on running that story again up on the website i'm going to duplicate it because i feel so strongly about it uh it, it, because it's a microcosm of what could happen to all of us under this lockdown
1: yeah and i think that what's more surprising to me is is you know we live in this age of social media where you can publish anything in an instant and and I I just find it really amazing that uh, you know going back to the roadblocks or even this gentleman or just the lockdown orders in general um, that that the American public is just so willing to accept this you know and I, I think it's great if we can so-called flatten the curve absolutely but there there has to be some balance where you know, here in San Diego County, I think there were six people that, that received a ticket for $600 for, you know, quote unquote, grouping. And, you know, the police are 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 on the hunt looking for anybody that's in a group of, I think it's three or more here in San Diego. Um, you clearly have a right to associate. And to me, the most interesting you know, constitutional argument would be the freedom to worship, right? You know, can can the, can the state come in and say there's a pandemic, and Dave, you're not going to you're not going to church on Easter Sunday. The end. You know who, who wins that argument? Is it is it the state that they have that much you know authority to do that, or does the freedom to worship Trump? You know, and and those are just fascinating you know legal arguments, and people are. You know, this is, ironically enough, the holiest time of the year for, you know, Judaism and, and Christianity. And I mean, it's so this is a, you know, it's a, a prime time where people are going to, you know, mass or services on Easter. And the state is saying, no, you're not. We will arrest you. If you walk in those doors and you try to assemble and worship the God of your choosing, no, you will be arrested. Man, that's scary times, Dave.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I want to be taken on the Lord on this either, because it says wherever two or more are gathered in my name, um, and, so, and, and, and God don't strike me down, because I'm supporting the fact that people need to be worshiping. That's right.
1: That's right. There's no parentheses in there either that that is a carve-out for a pandemic.
0: No, so, yeah. no. God did not make the pandemic exception. That's true. That's right. <laughs> no yeah. pandemic waiver here for your local church and uh yeah we're getting creative around here about how we're going to uh you know celebrate easter it's the most important holiday in my religion and i'm as they said in the old show network i matter in hell and i'm not going to take it anymore i mean i'm calling now for reasonable restrictions and and um you can do social distancing multiple services you can do all kinds of things but they're not even attempting in fact it, listen how bad it gets i had a lady write to me today I think it was in Ohio, I'll have to go back and check, but she said they put out uh, like a PSA on their media, public service announcement, and they said, um, coming up on Easter, we're gonna be driving around neighborhoods with police presence, and if we see lots of cars gathered in a home, we have the right to come into that home and arrest anyone who is there in greater numbers than the family numbers uh, permit.
1: Wow, and they they said actually if you're in your own residence yeah
0: they're, and they're uh, going this yeah let's say wow. i have five of my uh, we we have in my church we have these family groups uh, you get to get you can get together you know usually bi-weekly and you worship together one night of the week and you have dinner and so forth so if you do something like that for easter they said they're going to come to get you
1: well and, and to your point about social distancing you know there's Several mega churches, you know, here in, in San Diego and Minneapolis, and you know, all over the country, that they, they seat hundreds. There, there's absolutely no reason that this the state. Again, let's remember this is state authority. This is state authority saying that you're under threat of arrest. There's no reason that they can't accommodate reasonable, you know, separation, as you mentioned, and have if they want to eight masses a day or eight services a day. And I really wish that someone, you know, if, if anyone's listening to this before Easter, if they have the the gumption or the the will to to do that, because you could comply with the law. If you know, if the if, if the stay-at-home order says you can't group in more than whatever, fine. Then have it set up where everybody walks in in a single line, and they have separation in the pews, and they enjoy their constitutional right to worship on Easter. And also, Dave, this goes obviously for, you know, the Jewish community with Passover. Exactly. Um, And as I mentioned, this is, you know, we we Catholics, we call them submarine Catholics. They only go to Mass on Easter and uh, Christmas, right? (laughs) And they surface for those two days. And it's the same in Judaism, you know, where a lot of of, uh, Jewish Americans don't regularly attend service. But I tell you what, they are during this week. I mean, it's <laughs> the attendance goes through the roof, right? This is, a, uh, you know, the holiest of holy time for them, and the same with, with Christianity. So I just can't believe that we're going to sit back and say, well, the state is the authority. Again, you could do easily social distancing and, and allow people that constitutional right to worship, which is really, you know, sacred. It's, it's such a part of our history.
0: You know, I'm probably going to write an editorial the day before Easter, I'll just say congratulations, the governments are doing the work of Satan and I'll go down that road. Um, I I want to get into your expertise, job issues now, okay, because you do a lot of work before the EEOC and OCR and so, so forth with job issues, with discrimination and so forth. The way things are being done now, are there any 14th Amendment violations or any other constitutional violations that you're seeing? that could could be addressed in, in the form of a lawsuit
1: yeah it's not it's not necessarily constitutional issues Dave it's more um you know discrimination and and retaliation and it's funny you should say that because as you mentioned I have a, a national practice on in Minnesota and DC but the EEOC can handle you know cases nationwide as I do and You know, just last night I got a couple phone calls and what do you know, the 59-year-old female was furloughed, but the younger employee in her mid-30s, she just took on the 59-year-old employee's responsibilities. That's not necessarily a violation of law, but it certainly raises issues, right? And then you get one phone call and then you get three phone calls later and it's always the, you know, often, the oldest employee at the entity Or sometimes, unfortunately, it can be, you know, a race issue as well or a gender issue. So I think a lot of employers are so, at this point in time, they they may not even obviously be doing it intentionally, but they're so quick to want to lay off and furlough employees to, you know, save something for the bottom line that oftentimes they, they don't look at the overall picture. And, you know, I do that as well. I consult with employers where if they are you know, in the midst of a layoff or a furlough, how do you do that to make sure that you're not you know, running afoul with federal discrimination law?
0: That's a really good answer because, uh, so I, I guess if I'm gonna take meaning from this and apply it in a way the layman can understand, if you're working in a corporation and disproportionately people of relatively equal contributions to the company, if a certain race were to be laid off, or a certain age group were to be laid off with a much higher frequency, um, let's say a protected class is laid off at a higher rate, for example, um, is that is that actionable under these severe guidelines we're under, with uh, essential businesses, non-essential businesses, essential, you know, uh, positions in a company? Uh, in other words, is this is this fertile ground for coming lawsuits?
1: It is, and you you hit the nail right on the head where you know I think it was seven million unemployment claims were just filed, I think last week or some you know the highest in history. It's just absolutely flooded, and a lot of times I'll talk with employers and they'll they'll inadvertently make a mistake that and because the law is set up where you know they have to make sure that they they don't discriminate based on obviously age, gender, the protected classes, as you mentioned. But they're in such a rush to, you know, get the layoffs out the door that, um, and, for, and you know, it, it is fertile ground for I think plaintiffs' attorneys who are looking for actionable, you know, employment claims. Because right now you've got seven million people um, applying for unemployment. I tell you what, a, a, a good percentage of those are just hopefully going to, you know, pick up the phone and call a lawyer and find out, hey, was this done correctly? So it, it's, it's going to be interesting, Dave, to see where it all plays out because, you know, there, there's a difference between furloughing an employee and laying off an employee. You know, there's a difference between termination for cause and whether that employee can get unemployment. I mean, there's all these nuance issues that impact the smallest company, you know, size. Yes, it does matter for some issues, obviously, but, you know, you can be a small entity, a small, you know, tech company with 10 employees and you lay off eight and and next thing you know you find yourself in a lawsuit if you don't consult counsel
0: so let me ask you a question let's say i have a small business and i employ 10 people and i'm considered to be a non-essential business we can work from our homes but you know our our clientele is severely limited and cut back so i don't really need any employees now i can do all the work that's left over by myself what would you advise me to do or if i were to keep two employees let's let's do that i i get rid of eight and i keep two what would you advise me as an owner
1: yeah i mean with with that it's always you know tough with hypotheticals obviously but i i generally follow you know first in first out is is a pretty good way to do it that shows you know equity with regard to a layoff or a a furlough. So if, you know, if an employee has been there for 10 years, you keep that employee versus the employee who's been there for six years, you know? So I I think that's generally speaking, the best approach. The other obviously wonderful approach is that if an employee's at will, you know, the employer has a lot of discretion, but as long as they don't discriminate against that employee, which a lot of uh, counsel forget about, but if that's the case, you know, you can look at performance obviously and one way you do that is through performance reviews and that's why it's very important to make sure that if an if you're an employer and you're doing performance reviews those are accurate and you get the right copy and you get the right version because those can be used as you know defense down the road to say hey listen we gave him a you know an employment uh employee review you know six years ago and ever since then he hasn't been you know up to stuff so it's important to go back through that employee file and really take your time if you're an employer to make sure that you're, you know, taking the right steps.
0: Yeah. So you do take clients nationwide, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. With the EEOC, it's a it's a federal entity that investigates um, uh, several discrimination statutes, from you know, disability to retaliation to gender, uh, pay, uh, equal pay act so yeah it's it's a it's a federal agency and really the key there if, if you're hiring counsel is um, as you said it's 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 an interesting setup because you, you know the the employee wants to make sure that they approach the EEOC in, in the right manner and, and has you know specific citations to laws that are violated a lot of times employees rightfully so you know, they're just mad and they feel wrong, so they just go and file an EEOC complaint. You know, the vast majority of those are just thrown out. So it's always best to consult with the council beforehand to make sure that you're... Getting the right documents in, you're making the right arguments, you know, to this huge federal agency that is going to be swamped with claims. Like I, I can just only imagine from, you know, the the day that that the shutdown happened of our country. I mean, it's going to be just. Uh, I've I've actually heard through other attorneys that their their system, similar to unemployment, has has pretty much uh, you know shut down. It's been overwhelmed. So yeah, it's but. The, the key is that before you approach this big behemoth of a federal agency, it's it's always advisable to at least consult with count, counsel, with a, you know, 30 minute call just to make sure that you're proceeding on firm legal ground, and you're not wasting your time or the EEOC's time.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, a, those are really good um, arguments. So folks, you're listening to someone, if you're one of these people, you go, I'm not just mad, I think these guys might have broke the law. Well, this is the guy you'll want to talk to and uh, he is going to help in these areas. We talked about this before we came on air, his number to reach Dan Dufresne. Uh, Dan, spell your last name for people real quick, will you please?
1: Sure, it's it's very French. It's uh, Dufresne, which is D-leg like dog, U, F like Frank, R E S like Sam, N like Nancy E. And I always say, Dave, it's it's like Andy Dufresne from the, the Shawshank Redemption, that great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that, that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get
0: that all the time. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the number though. You can call and just ask for Dan. Yeah, his number is 858-740-8181. That's eight five eight seven four zero eight one eight one. And uh, I think you're gonna be a busy guy over the next couple of months, I really do. Uh, I want to ask you one thing before we have to end here. Um, In in places in Texas and other places, they're sending the National Guard door to door and asking people questions about COVID-19. Um, I wouldn't even open the door. I'm going to have you criticize me here. I would say through the door, you have no probable cause to be on my property. Leave, and I'm not opening the door to you unless you have a warrant. Okay, go ahead and criticize me.
1: I don't think I asked you, Dave. I think you're on firm legal ground to do that because you know uh, there's an old saying in in a Supreme Court case law: a man's house is his castle, and Yes, that the authorities, whether it's whatever color of law it is, if it's the National Guard or police or sheriff, you know, they have uh, they need to get a warrant unless they're in hot pursuit or they see a crime and action in the house. But, yeah, I I would I would follow exactly what you said and just say, hey, listen, guys, I appreciate your service, but, uh, you know, don't let the door hit you in the rear end of the way out.
0: Yeah, I would. Uh, the bottom line <laughs> is, I, I believe in governmental incrementalism. You let them do this much today, tomorrow they're coming into your house to take your guns, and so you. Know I mean, with that,
1: that's been yeah, know. that's what history has shown, isn't it? it that's very true. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's yeah.
0: why I've told people: do not talk to them, do not let them in. Tell them I appreciate the job you're doing. Now get off my property unless you have a warrant. And uh, have a nice day. Don't be mean to the people. They're they're doing their jobs, and I don't think there's any reason to abuse them. But I think there's reason to be really firm, and then shut your door. And then the yeah. battering ram comes out. Oh, the fun's going to start when this uh, whole COVID thing clears. Um, so, Dan, your practice though, so just out of curiosity, you're limited to employment issues, pretty much. Is that it?
1: Well, I do, you know, I, I I do a lot of different issues. I, I have a background in employment, and then I also have a background, interestingly enough, in security clearance law, and that's kind of been a hot issue with uh, the Trump administration and, and trying to revoke John Brennan's security and whether or not, you know, Jared Kushner should have a security clearance. I never thought that area of the law would become kind of a focal point. But, yeah, I do a, a lot of national security and security clearance work as well, and then I, I also help uh, some clients, you know, small business clients, uh, which I've I've got an uptick in that business right now, where you know small business clients are trying to form a new LLC. How do they do that? What's the best tax approach, and you know, a, a, an approach to limit liability as well. So, you know, business law that's that's really becoming more and more important now as. We have these huge amounts of money, and, and, and you know that are being put through the stimulus bill. So it's, I think it's advisable if you're a small business, hey, you know, incorporate so that you, you might have a shot at getting some of this, uh, you know, federal money to, to you know launch your business or keep your business afloat. So you know, I do I found, a lot of counseling. <laughs> yeah,
0: I found out though if you if you're successful at all in business, you ain't getting any money. I just I've heard, I've heard I that looked, yeah. I looked at that and I just said yeah <laughs> I mean I think we're bodice here at the common sense show and uh, we wouldn't get any money and it's it's ludicrous I mean it, it was kind of like the government's let them eat cake twelve hundred dollars how far is that gonna go I was that's a whole nother story <laughs> for another time but people think oh twelve hundred dollars and we, we sold our Constitution for twelve hundred dollars a piece. that's an article that I wrote recently
1: I love that article, Dan. That was right on the mark. And I, I was joking with my my bride out here. I said, you know, twelve hundred dollars in, in San Diego. That's a couple of tanks of gas. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're know, lucky, a, it's all relative. If you yeah. if you live in Wichita versus you know a Phoenix or a big yeah. metropolitan area, it's just not the
0: same. No, so, I, yeah. I paid those gas prices out there in California. Dan, we're out of time. <laughs> I just want to give out your number real quick. If you got employment issues and you want Dan to help you. 858 740 8181. 858 740 8181. Dan, we're right up against the end. Thanks for joining us. And we're going to consult with you as we go through this crisis on various constitutional issues. Thanks for being with us on the Common Sense Show. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. If you're on one network, you'll be going right into hour number two. If you're on the other network, well, you'll be hearing this tomorrow. God bless all of you. We'll see you back here. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dave.